0: Welcome to Conversations in Commercial Banking, a podcast series dedicated to the pressing financial topics facing middle market business leaders today. We bring in experts from all facets of our North American institution to provide actionable insights that help you navigate today's environment. Our discussions include industry trends, strategies to identify and manage risk, and unlocking opportunities for growth, all with the purpose of helping you realize your ambitions. And now for this week's episode.
1: Hello, I'm Brian Greenblatt, and I'm pleased to be your host today. I lead commercial middle market banking for CIBC US, and I welcome you to CIBC's newest podcast, Conversations in Commercial Banking. For today's episode, the third in our privately held series, we will explore the dynamics that come with family businesses and discuss how to preserve family harmony when approaching potentially polarizing business decisions. Joining me today is Caroline McKay, Senior Wealth Strategist here at CIBC. Caroline, welcome, and thank you for joining us today.
0: Thank you for having me, Brian. I'm happy to be here.
1: So I I wanna start off, as we think about family-owned businesses, you know, I always think about it as the business world and the family world, and there's... Can you talk about how we think about those two different worlds and the family dynamics involved in those two?
0: Yes, absolutely, and and I think as anybody who is is part of a family knows, uh, you know, there's a lot of dynamics that are involved with just being part of a family, and then when you combine that with business, you often at times run into a collision. But oftentimes we think about a family business as having sort of two operating systems. There's the the business system and then the family system, and usually, oftentimes, especially at the beginning of businesses, those operating systems are sort of on parallel tracks. And so the business system, if we think about it, is, you know, this operating system is built on an environment of competitive markets, potentially tough financial environments. Uh, They have to negotiate complex business issues to succeed and to grow. Uh, And essentially, the business is a system where, where excellence and hard work and oftentimes risk are rewarded and you know, possibly imperative to the survival of the business. That's how it's been built and grown. Where the family system, you know, thinking about the family dynamics, is often really different in that it places – nurturing education inclusion above all else right so you have these sort of parallel tracks and then at times especially when we're starting to think about business transitions and oftentimes that's when you know depending on what generation we are in the family business that means maybe a new a new stage of the business or a new generation coming into the business and that's where those those tracks can often collide so for example Maybe you know the next generation expects to work in the business whether they're qualified to do so or not. And those family members entered the business, we're prioritizing that family system over the business system so that's often a a complication or something and we talk about business transition that that needs to be focused and we need families to really see those operating systems and agree that there needs to be a level of collaboration accountability and you know not let those two systems bleed into each other too much you know don't bring all the business stuff happening to every family reunion and don't bring squabbles between siblings into the business, right? Like we need to try to learn to keep those separate as much as we can. So
1: when you think about that then, you know, you know, both have their own dynamics, both have their own positives and negatives. How do you keep that working in harmony in some way? So when you think about the squabbles, is are there outside – um, you know, are there ways of building internal systems within the company that sort of manage between that using outside advisors, et cetera
0: absolutely, you know it really you know everything that we're talking about today is heavily. Customized per family, right? But there, are, there are things we've learned in in the process of our our roles and and just in general looking at research and studies on family businesses. So again, we think about these two different operating systems, and and from that you can kind of tease out uh, different types of how businesses end up running and transitioning. So you might have a business that we call more of a business focused business which is really going to put uh the business in many cases before the family um and that's not so to speak to say that's a bad thing that's more that we're going to prioritize the best interests of the business and make decisions um about the business to further the company goals over Putting the family first so in that type of business you may see that there are more outside advisors maybe there's not the whole family involved in the day-to-day running of the business maybe you do have to be super qualified or maybe there's a requirement that the family members have to work at other companies and gain expertise and experience before they can come into the business that it's just not a green light that because you're part of the family you get to work in the business Oftentimes that may mean too that you have independent boards or you, again, are relying on outside consultants or more managers in the business who are not part of the family. So that there's more of a balance for the business itself. Whereas a family-focused business is one that does oftentimes prioritize the family above the business interests. So you may see that everybody in the family can work at the business, regardless of whether they have the technical expertise or have, you know, uh, shown that they're competent to be in those roles. And, and that can lead to a lot of tensions with other employees in terms of also the, the overall success of the business if you don't have the best people and the best jobs that are suited for them. And also, you know, you may see that more money is is coming out of the business to support the family versus being reinvested for the business's benefit. So I think, you know, we find, and I th- think a lot of research shows that businesses that are more business focused and try to tease out the family dynamics a bit often are gonna be more successful. Not always, but you know, that's the trend.
1: Oh, that's that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Let's shift a little bit of a gear then and and talk about, you know, generation, you know, depending on the generation of the company and where the where the owners fit today. Talk a bit about how, you know, wealth affects family businesses. You know, the again, I, I'm going to say parents attitude, but it may not be apparently an uncle, but the attitude of sort of the leadership team and then each successive generation. How does wealth Kind of affect those dynamics we've talked a lot about the business system and the family system but now how does wealth affect how the business is running and working
0: yeah and, and again i think when we're talking about especially long-standing businesses uh you know it really can depend on sort of the generation and how long the business is in place if i think back or go back you know oftentimes with with not new businesses, but businesses that maybe are just finishing their the first generation. So we're in the founder's generation. You know, the founder's experience could be really uh, different than the next generation and future generations experience because the founder, this wealth often may have been built by that founder and that business. And so the founder over time has seen, you know, maybe not a ton of wealth at the beginning. And as the wealth grows, That wealth is growing because of sort of their sacrifice, their perseverance, their dedication to the business, whereas the next and succeeding generations may have only known wealth their whole life. And they may look at the family business very differently than the founder. The founder probably had to take a lot of risks and had to do and, you know, and wasn't so used to the wealth that there wasn't necessarily so much fear of losing it. Whereas succeeding generations may be looking at the family business as This is how we support our lifestyle. This is this is how we're going to maintain this and be maybe more risk adverse because they don't want to do something that jeopardizes it or you know may just see more threats along the way and and so it's just a different mentality so i think and this is true we find you know outside of family businesses just with families that have a lot of wealth and passing it down through the generations it's really needing to be able to um, think about the different experiences of the family members and really have each generation being developed So that, you know, certainly we hope the wealth can be preserved, but also we're making sure that values, responsibilities, education, things are passing down where we can find that the next generation can step up and hopefully thrive in in the business and with the business experience and bring their own sort of unique values and risk potential and things to that for long-term success
1: so you know it it you bring up a big point of you know the skill sets of the founder being very different than the skill sets of the next generation um how do you how do you actually transition a family business so that that the harmony is 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 built on as opposed to eroded over
0: time yeah you know i think the first step is always you know these conversations, I think, can be really, really difficult, honestly. And uh because it, it brings up a lot of concerns uh from, from both sides, right? If we're talking about family transition, you know, think about it, let's going from one generation down to the next generation. And the generation that is currently in control, you know, may have their own concerns about the next generation being ready or able to step in and run the business that that they want them to run, right? Because we all have our own thoughts about how something should be run, and it's very hard sometimes to let go and let somebody come in and do things maybe differently, right? So it's oftentimes very hard for the the older generation I'm going to call them to transition responsibilities to the next generation. That's very off putting. And they may not only fear that the next generation isn't going to do it right, but you know, they fear what will they do, you know, now that they're not doing the day-to-day activities, what will keep done business. I think that happens in anybody's retirement, but especially when your day-to-day, you know, your bread and butter has been working for this business. What do you do without the business? And then also concerns about their financial futures, right? They're probably, their financial futures are also probably tied to the success of the business. And then the younger generations have this tension because they're probably like, we're ready, let us in, let us take control. And the older generation may be really slow to do that, right? I think it's also really important to know who it, does the next generation or the other family, whoever's coming in, do they want to be in the business too? Uh, we I've seen conversations with family where, you know, the senior generation is ready for the next generation who is already working in the business uh, to take over. And the next generation are kind of like, we're happy just doing our jobs and don't necessarily want to be the manager or be the president of the company and have to put in the blood, sweat and tears that their sort of forebears did because they want a different lifestyle. So all of this transition, I think key is having really open and frank conversations among the family about what are everybody's expectations or desires? You know, Who wants to be in the business? Who does not want to be in the business? Who's qualified to be in the business? If they're unqualified, what do they need to do to to successfully join or enter the business? Um, and oftentimes, you know, I'm sure we all have families where those conversations are really hard to do on your own. And so, bringing in outside advisors can be really beneficial. I mean, some of the work that these outside advisors do, while they might not be like uh, therapists or social workers themselves, I mean, they're doing a lot of this work of figuring out family dynamics how families communicate um you know what are the desires and goals and trying to push that or or mesh it all together so that everyone's being heard and we can actually create a transition and that transition may be from generation to generation it may be that there's an agreement that no one in the family really is ready to take on or take over ownership, and that maybe they need to look at third parties coming in, whether that means the family gives up control, or that just means they bring in new professionals to help run the company. You can still retain ownership of a company and not have to run it day to day with family members. So I think addressing these concerns is key, and usually that I think is benefited by bringing in outside advisors. Um, I think preparing the generations again assuming we want family members to join the business or, or help take over they need to be properly prepared expectations need to be set. and I think there's some benefit too to as the tr- transitions really start to happen that we we honor the 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 leaving generations and and celebrate it the same way we would do other important milestones. In our family lives, whether that's going off to college or having an anniversary, you know, that's an important transitional step that needs to have, I think, proper um, attention paid to it so that the generational switch, you know, it becomes a thing where it's more excitement in moving generation to generation than than something that's considered fearful or something that we we don't want to to acknowledge, right? We want to yeah. focus on it
1: yeah, so so the two things I just got, especially were planning and you know, thinking about outside advisors, of people who can help you get there. Um, how does a family best think about finding the right advisors in helping them into this transition? is it Is it something that's built over a long time? Is it going for a search? is there a way that families can think about finding the right advisors that may be helpful?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on where a family is in their sort of transition cycle, right? I think oftentimes I've seen families who are I mean, ideally, we would talk to and we would get in front of families who were years before they were actually ready to transition, because then I think you can start laying a lot of groundwork and maybe the need for lots of different advisors is is reduced. Because I think whether it's you know a professional sort of business transition advisor, which they absolutely have, or using you know a business succession attorney or using uh, you know a management firm, you know, there's. There's different types of advisors out there. I think a lot of the groundwork is, though, helping to think through, you know, what does a transition potentially look like? You know, again, who's in, who's out, who's prepared? Um, Oftentimes, I find benefits, clients benefit from, you know, outside advisors who can help flesh out communications, you know, so a lot of this is sort of therapy early on, yeah. is is helping families make sure they're communicating and that they understand each other's values. And sometimes, again, that's going to be a, a paid advisors. Other times that you may already have advisors as part of a family team uh, that can help have those conversations. Um, I guess yeah. in these days and age, there's an advisor out there for everybody. Um, when we get closer and closer to an actual transition, that's where you definitely need to have the accountants, the lawyer, you know, every step of the way to make sure that the whatever the transition looks like, whether it's a sale or moving ownership interest or just bringing in more management, that it's all being done in sort of a cohesive um, manner.
1: That's great. No, thank you very much. Caroline, really, thank you. Um, this is such a delicate topic and when it comes to keeping harmony among family. So I really appreciate all the points of consideration that you talked about today. And I wanna thank all of you for joining us. If you have any additional questions, please reach out to me or your relationship manager at CIBC to assist. A well-executed transition is made possible through collaboration with your banker and other business advisors by communicating early on, asking questions and sharing your ambitions for the future. In our next episode, you'll hear from CIBC's Ron Miller, who will be hosting a discussion intended to help you find your answer to the inevitable, what's next for my business. In the meantime, check us out at us.cibc.com or across several social media platforms by searching at CIBC underscore US. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to catching up with you again soon.
0: CIBC is a member FDIC and equal housing lender. Loans are subject to credit approval. To the extent that information contained herein is derived from third-party sources, although we believe the sources to be reliable, we cannot guarantee their accuracy. The CIBC logo is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Investment products offered are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.